there and welcome to the Let's Talk podcast. I'm Carrie Lloyd-Shaw, Christian blogger, wife and mum, muser and grace lover. I write and chat about a broad range of biblical subjects deeply rooted in and flowing from this focused centre that one man died for everyone. I believe that it's this truth about Jesus that makes our hope as Christians visible to others as part of a collective worldwide community of faith, the Church of Jesus Christ. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram and if you're a word nerd like me, you can check out my latest blog articles by heading on over to the website, carrieloydshaw.com. Right now though, let's talk. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house, becomes at home and mature in us so that we're free from worry on Judgment Day. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ's. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment, is one not yet fully formed in love. We, though, are going to love, love and be loved. First we were loved, now we love. He loved us first. If anyone boasts, I love God, and goes right on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, he is a liar. If he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he can't see? The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. 1 John 4 verses 17 through 21 from the Message Paraphrase. Authentic Christianity means loving God and loving people. John's words on this subject are blunt and straight to the point. You cannot be a Christian and hate other people. It's incompatible and hypocritical. Not only that, it's a blatant subversion of everything that is intrinsically bound up in a Christian's salvation by God's grace. We love God because he first loved us. And, despite our complete unworthiness, he sent his son to die for us. There is no greater love than a man dying for his friends, and there could be no greater demonstration of what love looks like to die even for those who were your enemies. John says in 1 John 3 verse 1, What marvellous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it, we're called children of God. Of all the people on this earth, it would seem obvious that Christians would understand the implications of this. We are the recipients of a love so deep and vast and completely undeserving, it should be impossible for us to not respond to this in our relationships with others. We haven't received from God what we should have, and what we shouldn't have received, we have. Grace, freely given, has been demonstrated by a love lavished on us in abundance. This recognition of grace should empower and transform us to demonstrate the same kind of love in all our relationships, and especially to our Christian family. Grace is, perhaps, the easiest concept to speak about in the enthusiastic language of a born-again believer, but, in reality, the hardest virtue to assimilate into our Christian lives. Legalism, not grace, is one of the first lessons we learn in life that all things come with a price, and that nothing is given for free. 
We can tend to persist in this mentality after our conversion, even on an unconscious level, viewing God and each other in this light. John says again in 1 John chapter 3 verse 10, The one who won't practice righteous ways isn't from God, neither is the one who won't love a brother or sister. There's a serious crisis among Christians. It seems we can talk a lot about love, but we're actually woefully inadequate at demonstrating it. Instead of showing real, authentic love, demonstrated in graceful, multifaceted ways, we see the opposite in many of our Christian communities. We're often religiously wealthy, but morally bankrupt, devoid of any real expression of a grace-led life. We say we're born again, but are we really? Has grace really touched our hearts? Jesus told a story to illustrate what a life untransformed by grace looks like, that of the ungrateful servant, in Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35. Despite having been forgiven a massive debt of some several million dollars by his master, the servant proceeded to demand repayment of a debt owed to him by a fellow servant, of only a few dollars. When the fellow servant was unable to immediately repay, he had him thrown into prison until he could repay the debt, which would have been practically impossible from his prison cell. The master soon heard of the ungrateful servant's behaviour, and the conclusion of the tale is sobering. We read in Matthew 18, starting at verse 32, Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant, as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers, until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you, if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. The parable was designed to impress upon the listeners the importance of their attitude towards each other in relation to the forgiveness they had received from God. In fact, there is a direct correlation between our professed love for God and our love for our fellow servants. John puts it this way, Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. What does real love look like? 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 through 8 has this to say. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. These are all attributes of a life that is lived walking with God, led by the Spirit. The implications of a spirit-led life find their way into every aspect of our lives. Affection for others, understanding and compassion for their failings, forgiveness of their mistakes and our own, confidence in God's love and kindness, a commitment to cultivate close and loving relationships built on mutual respect and sacrifice. These are attributes of a person who has fully grasped the weight and implications of saving grace 
and whose life is being transformed day by day following the example of the one who went before, Jesus Christ. They are choosing every day to put aside the unfruitful works of darkness and to walk in the Spirit, producing the fruit that comes from living God's way. The bright light of Christ makes their way plain. The opposite of love is hate. And let's get real. Hate, in all its forms, whether displayed passively or aggressively, is like a poison that destroys our soul. It will ruin our life, and not just ours. It causes havoc in our families, our relationships, our churches, and, critically, to our witness of the gospel. We may think that we have never been guilty of hating our brother or sister, but when we harbour bitterness in our heart, when we gossip about them to others, when we withhold doing good on the basis of preference, when we are angry at them, when we don't treat them with dignity and honour, esteeming all better than ourselves, we are hating them. So heinous is the position of hate before God that John says that a person who hates is said to be walking in darkness and not the light. It's entirely possible for a person to continue professing religion but remain at enmity with their Christian brother or sister. The Bible states unapologetically that such a person is a liar. They may fool everyone else, but they cannot fool God. Hate is an issue of the heart. We need to be on our guard in our Christian communities that we are not unwittingly, or worse, complicit in allowing lives to be ruled by hate in all its insidious forms. While we may be vocal on what are perceived to be more serious sins, such as murder or immorality, we tend to overlook or excuse things like slander, gossip, envy, enmity, strife, jealousy, bitter disagreements, divisions or backbiting. Do we speak against these things and model a better way? We are all capable of such things and we are all responsible for preventing the spiritual disease that results from overlooking these things in our Christian communities. We are warned over and over again in the Bible of how hatred and bitterness can destroy us. We are encouraged to love one another, to keep short records of wrongs and forgive others, not harbouring bitterness or anger in our hearts. We know that all these issues find their source in the darkness of the human heart. Mark 7 verse 21 confirms that from within the heart of people come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery. Ephesians 4 verse 31 says this, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamour and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. When we struggle with issues like gossip, slander, bitterness, anger or envy, the problem lies inside us, deep in the recesses of our heart. The problem is not with the person at whom our hate is directed, but with us. And if it were not a problem that all Christians face, the many writers of the epistles, especially John, wouldn't have taken the time to warn us of it. If we can't love our Christian brother or sister, then, quite simply, we don't understand grace. The imperative first step for anyone struggling with these issues is to spend some time considering God's grace and work of salvation in their life. Make it personal. 
Consider what it meant for God to give his son for you, that you might live. Consider the weight of your guilt and inability to fully satisfy God's righteousness, and comprehend the fact that, in Jesus, you are forgiven and set free, fully reconciled and made right with God. Perhaps you don't truly believe this to be true for yourself, and this is the root cause of your fear and judgment of others. Make it a priority to find peace and true reconciliation with the God who is for you and not against you. Allow the dark places of your heart to be flooded with the light of Jesus. Ask for God to soften your heart, for him to remove the bitterness, envy and hate. Confess to him how ashamed you are of allowing that root of bitterness to grow and ask him to help you prune it from your life. And as Christian communities, we must all love enthusiastically, hating sin, but loving the sinner, remembering that we were all at one time enemies of God. We must not tolerate those things that allow hate or division to flourish, but show our faith by cultivating works of the Spirit, against which there is no law. Peter says in 2 Peter 1 verses 5 through 9, So don't lose a minute in building on what you've been given, complementing your basic faith with good character, spiritual understanding, alert discipline, passionate patience, reverent wonder, warm friendliness, and generous love, each dimension fitting into and developing the others. With these qualities active and growing in your lives, no grass will grow under your feet, no day will pass without its reward as you mature in your experience of our Master Jesus. Anyone who claims to be intimate with God ought to live the kind of life that Jesus lived. 1 John 2 verse 6 Jesus tells his disciples in John 13 verse 35 that by loving one another as he has loved them, all the world will know that they are his disciples. The world will see your love for each other and know without even having to ask, that you are followers of the King. How we love as Christians is therefore either a public witness to the truth and reality of the risen King and our allegiance to Him, or a public denial of our belief in the King and His ability to truly transform our hearts. By not loving as the King loves, we demonstrate for all to see that the ruler of this world still controls us, that we are allowing this rule to flourish in our lives and govern our actions towards others. Real faith in the King is more than the words we say, the emotions we feel, ideas we debate, or a truth we believe. Real faith is something we do, expressed in visible ways, deeply rooted in and flowing from this focused center, that one man died for everyone. Real faith shows up in our life, particularly in the way that we love the King's people. The following is taken from the introduction to the book of James from the ESV 2000 version. Sometimes called the Proverbs of the New Testament, the book of James practically and faithfully reminds Christians exactly how to live so as to be compelling witnesses for the name of Jesus Christ. From perseverance to true faith to controlling one's tongue submitting to God's will, and having patience, this book aids readers in living authentically and wisely for Christ. 
Many have claimed that James and the Apostle Paul differed on the question of faith versus works. But in reality, the spiritual fruit that James talks about simply demonstrates the true faith of which Paul wrote. If you claim to be a Christian, James says, prove it by your actions. The kind of faith that is real, saving faith is shown to be vital, living and demonstrable in action. Depending on God and accepting his gift of grace, truly accepting it, will radically transform our lives. It will challenge everything we do, our belief systems and possibly even misplaced prejudices about others. It will compel us to behave justly to others, with impartiality, even though the world around us might not be just or impartial. It will compel us to do better and be better, not so that we earn God's favour, but so that our faith can be seen as a reality, not just as a matter of empty words. Awareness of and responding to the love of God is at the heart of our Christian lives. We are who we are, first and foremost, because of God revealed in Christ. Yet if our loving union with God doesn't result in a living faith shown by our good works to others, then, as 1 John 4 verses 7 through 21 say so eloquently, our love for God simply isn't real. This kind of faith is a counterfeit Christianity and nothing more than a corpse. <music> 